We believe hundreds will be putting on the uniform next week of baptism. Remember, we got David Nasser, an Iranian-born Muslim who came to this country, was saved, and all that happened is going to be an unbelievable message on 9-11 weekend, uh, 15th anniversary. You simply don't want to miss it. Others who want to be ready uh, for baptism and fill out the card this week and say, I want to be baptized next weekend. That is, that'll, be, that'll be great. Welcome promisers from all of our campuses, from Campbell and North Knoxville and our Blount County campus and our Pellissippi campus, our God Behind Bars. Welcome you guys. Uh, all of our campuses, we're just super excited to have you. You picked a great weekend. We're in the middle of the weekend. We've had tons of services already, and we've got some more to go, but it has been off the chart. By the way, I was gone last week. Pastor Kyle not absolutely pounded out of the park. And I'm telling you, he had me like a fish. When he told this football story, I thought, man, I didn't know Kyle played football. I sort of was thinking Magoo, and now I find out he's a stud, and he's won the state, and man, I am just celebrating on internet campus, and then all of a sudden, he says, yeah, and I woke up with slobber in my English class. Oh, oh, I was got to the quick, but what a great weekend, and, and, and we're just so glad that Kyle and Mel are with us. It was, it was unbelievable. We're two weeks in. This is our third weekend of game day. Uh, and it's been incredible. Let me give you a thought in context with what we're going to do this weekend. My biggest thought of the week is this. Revelation requires a what? A what? A response. When you see something about God, God's character, God's kingdom, when God reveals something to you through a message, through worship, through someone else, small group, whatever, then when you receive a revelation, it requires a response. So let me ask you a question. How many of you want to grow spiritually? Anybody want to be more like Jesus? Okay. This is one of the biggest thoughts I've ever given you is right here. See, because what we've learned to do in the American church, we've learned to receive a revelation and do nothing with it. We've learned to hear things about God that that don't change how we live. And so let me give you a high-level spiritual warning. I mean, this is huge. It's on the screen. Revelation without application, is a calcification of your heart. So when you hear about God, when God reveals things to you, like in this game day series, you ought to be serving, amen? And you're not, you receive, hey, I realize I should be serving and you don't, or I ought to be in group and I'm not. When, you know, we talked about all these things and you say, when you receive a revelation and you don't apply it, your heart grows callous and hard toward God. And Hebrews says, do not harden your heart as your forefathers did in the wilderness. Does that make sense? So the more that you receive a revelation from God and yet you do not apply that application to your life, your heart will go harder about God, with God, in God, and you will just be a religious person with a hard heart going to church. Does that make sense? So, man, God is going to show you some stuff to do in the name of Jesus. Do it. Now, two weeks ago, I preached a message on serving, and 300 people picked up the towel and said, I'll serve. I'll wash feet. Amen. Said, man, I'll do it. I'll do it. Then last week, about 300 more adults said, hey, I need to get in a group. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in a group. But let me tell you, there's no better time than right now because we're about to start an alignment on prayer. And is prayer important? Would you like to learn to pray better? 
Well, that's what the whole next series is. The best book I've read this year called Transformational Prayer. Pastor Kyle gave it to me when I was getting ready to go to Hillsong. Michelle and I said, read this. This is what our alignment's going to be about in small group. Best book I've read all year. See, what we tend to do is we think that prayer is, let me li list out all my needs before God. God, I need this, I need this, I need this. Would you do this? Bless this, move, move. Is that right? And that's a boring, dull, that's the reason after a while you quit praying because you get tired of telling God the same things. But we're going to learn in this next small group alignment a worship-based prayer. They get in the Word of God and let God speak to you and then begin to pray out of the overflow and learn to connect with God at a deeper level. Does that make sense? You will begin to spend more time in the presence of God. You'll receive more revelation from God. You will grow. So if you're not in a group, get in because we're about to start that. It is going to be off the chart. Now, next two weekends, huge again. Next weekend, David Nasser. I believe we can have 8,000. I believe literally, you know, the, the 845 service people will be saved. They'll be being baptized when the 10, uh, 10 o'clock service at Pellissippi starts and, and at all other campuses. And then we'll be baptizing when the net. Listen, we'll just baptize all weekend in Jesus' name. So bring them. Be here. 8,000 next weekend. New attendance record the next weekend. John Maxwell's with us. Great opportunity to bring your coworkers, business contacts, uh, because they'll want to hear John. So it's, it's amazing. You guys are the best inviters on the planet. Every campus, you guys invite, and you guys, it's going to be the next two weekends off the chart. Let me watch the, look, look at this right here, something you guys did. That is a water well in a place we cannot tell you where it is. I'm not kidding. That's a, that's a village that had no water. Not only did we put the well in, but we ran that water to every, all the huts in that village because of your generosity, those people get life-giving clean water. So, off the chart. I, we don't tell you enough because nobody knows everything that happens. Every, what every group does, what all of our missionaries do, what all the stuff around the world, no, nobody knows. And so, and, and the, on the line of generosity, by the way, August was a record-setting month. We averaged over 7,000. First time we've averaged that in a month without a production, Easter, big holiday, of over 7,000. Best month yet, which is great. But in the midst of, of the greatest attendance, our giving dropped. Is that odd? Am I, is that odd? Or, I, know you're, I know you're there. Hear you breathing. Is that odd? Come on, blunt. Somebody help me out over there or, or, or at North Knoxville. And I thought, well, see, June and July, when you guys typically don't give, record-giving months. And then August, we have a record-setting attendance, and the, and the, and the offering drops. I, would, I just don't, I don't get that. But should we be faithful? Yes. 35 weekends a year. Yes. There we go. Come on. Yeah, just see if you're awake. Oh, yeah, baby. 52 weekends a year, amen, every month. Come on. Now, one more, one more point of clarification, point of order. I preached some messages about four weeks ago, made a lot of people mad. Y'all remember what that is? Yeah, I know you do if you were here. If you don't, go watch it. You can be mad with the rest of us. But it was, I, I talked about the Syrian refugees, and I was, Michelle and I were in Chicago this week, and we're meeting with Bill Hybels and Debrief from the Global Leadership Summit, and, and I, was, uh, I met with uh, Richard Stearns, who is the CEO of World Vision, who's probably doing more than any single group 
with the Syrian refugees. And we were talking, and I told them, hey, man, listen, boy, I made lots of people mad. A couple hundred people left the church over it. And we were talking, and, and so here, let me just clarify our, my point, okay? Because what people hear Syrian refugees, and they get political. It's not political for me. See, for me, politics is a low-stakes game. The kingdom of God, high-stakes game. Are you with me? So it's not politicizing. But let me clarify, the Syrian refugees don't want to come to America. Now, Americans are afraid. Okay, listen to the radio. Tell everybody's afraid, but listen. Syrian refugees, so I was talking to Richard Stearns, and I said, hey, help me clarify, because we, our church wants to make a difference. And he said, listen, let me tell you, some of those Syrian refugees have, were thrown, have been out of the country for years. And they were run off and didn't get to take anything. Said they still have their house keys. They live in internment camps, many of them, large prison camps. They still have their house keys. You know why? Because they want to go home. They don't want to come to America. They want to go home. But the bulk of them are Muslims. The greatest opportunity in the history of the kingdom of God in winning Muslims is dealing with the refugees. And when the climate does change and they do get to go home, they need to remember the people that love me were the Jesus people. Amen? We've got to be aware. We have to be aware of what's going on. And so, man, that's the deal. But your generosity, we're already doing things. Pastor Kyle and I are going to go visit some of the camps uh, soon and bring back a report to you. Of, you know, I've, I've talked to tons of people that have gone, but we're just going to go get, get, a, get a handle on that. So whether it's a wells in Africa or Syrian refugees or wherever it is, you know, planting 200 churches in Pakistan a couple years ago, churches in India, all around the world, your generosity enables us to make the world a better place. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, all right, I'm done. Pre-sermon. All right, let's get ready. How many of you have heard the name Todd Kelly? Check this out. Hey, Faith Promise. So excited to have Todd Kelly Jr. with us this weekend. Second generation volunteer, plays for the University of Tennessee, goes by TK. Man, it's, a, it's just a joy to have you, man. Welcome, TK. Thanks for having me, Pastor. Appreciate it. Man, I know you're busy. I, I know, man, your life is full. So, man, we, we really appreciate this time. Thank you. That means a lot. So, talk to us about, I've, I've heard the term, but didn't know what it meant. Team 120 and, and the brick-by-brick brick culture that Coach Jones is building at UT. Well, Team 120 basically means the 120th team in football history at the University of Tennessee. Wow. So to think about all the people that came before me, whether it was my father, Reggie White, Eric Berry, just to think that I'm in that category is pretty amazing. And Coach Jones really talks about brick by brick, which means that each teammate holding each other accountable and sticking together. When you think about it, cement, you put the brick together, we all stick together. And when one brick goes away, everything crumbles. It's all about that foundation and holding each other accountable and sticking together. That's awesome. Now, what position did your dad play for the non the non football <laughs> folks at, at Faith Promise? He played defensive end. So defensive uh, yeah. end. And I play safety, so I like to tell him I'm a little more athletic than him, but faster. A little bit, Stronger. yeah, yeah. Uh, he might throw me around a Come little on, bit. Yeah. But break the I'll, I'll try him one day. There we go. There we go. My my boys try the same thing, so so I got it. How does how does the brick by brick culture of UT how does that play out in your day to day walk with Jesus? Because a lot of folks may not know you, but you're a Christ follower. How does that play out? I am. I'm a Christ follower. He's the head of my life, and 
everything I do is for him. And when I think about it, uh, the brick by brick, first off, I think about it taking one day at a time and not focusing on the future, focusing on the now and what God has planned for me and not looking ahead of what I want, but what God wants. And his bricks are aligned for me and I have to follow the bricks that he's aligned for me. And second off, I think about the people that I love holding me accountable and making sure that they place the bricks in my life and that I follow that. And with Christ as the head of my life, I feel like following his bricks and living life brick by brick based on how he lands them and how he places them is all about my life. Amen. And you know, as believers, we're called to be a, a part of a body. And if you take that brick out of the body, it's, it's, it's useless, but you, you put it together like a winning team. Uh, the church wins, we, we help each other. Awesome. What, what challenges do you face on and off the field to be successful uh, in a, man, pressure-packed world of college football? No doubt. Well, my life has a lot going on, whether it's football, school, family. Being from Knoxville, hanging out with my friends, and also having Christ as the head of my life, number one position. So putting that all together is a lot to do in 24 days, but I make sure that if I'm not on the right track, that I put myself on that right track. And my family members, whether it's my mom, my dad, my sister, they all hold me accountable, as well as my friends. And I like to surround myself with high character people that have the Lord as the head of their life first, because I feel like the people that you surround yourself with, that's what you're gonna act like. My mom always taught me birds of a feather flock together. That's right. So I feel like with people having the Lord as the head of their life, it enables me to do the same. Awesome. I doubt you have, uh... I doubt you have much hanging out time these days. Yeah, not much. Um, you know, I, I feel like those days will come right now. I have to sacrifice, and whatever the Lord has planned for me, that's what I'm called to do. But when I do have free time, I like to hang out with my friends and be as regular as I possibly can. But at the same time, I know I have a lot on my plate, and I have a lot of time to spend, and that's what I'm called to do. And ev everything worthwhile is uphill. And so, and to win, to be a winner, it's, it's, it's an uphill journey. Uh, how do your teammates impact your, you personally and your struggle for success? Well, I think my teammates hold me to a very high standard, and I ask them to. You know, I don't want to be ordinary. Um, you know, I want to be extraordinary. Amen. But the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is obviously that extra. And I feel like when you have Christ in your life, you ask him for specific challenges, and sometimes you might not even ask for it, and it's there for you, and it kind of throws you for a curveball, but that's what life is all about. It's about obstacles and Life is like climbing a mountain. You know, you, when you think about it, you look at the top of the mountain, it's very still, but in between that mountain, there's rivers, valleys, and you have to go through it. And then finally, when you're at the top, you made it, but until then, you have to go through things and believe in God through everything. Uh, you're doing something that, man, my respect for you elevated uh, well beyond just a football player, but, but you've dedicated this season. You've changed your number and you've, you've dedicated the season uh, to a local hero. Tell us about that. Tell us what he did and, and, and what you're doing this year. Well, yes, this year I'm wearing the number 24 for Xavion Dobson. He was murdered and slain December 17th uh, while shielding two other girls from bullets, and he ended up being killed by those bullets, um, shielding some several girls. Hero. Very much so. That's, that's the least I could say about him. Um, I want his legacy to live on, so I'm wearing number 24. He played high school football at Fulton High School, and he wanted to be a Division I football player just like I am. So I feel like me wearing his number is just a small tribute to the real legacy that he lives on, and I feel like he'll be known forever just for the courage he had and 
just knowing what he was called to do and standing up for, for those girls. I think that's amazing. Oh, that's right. You know, Xavion uh, was from Lonsdale, and, and that's, a, that's a tough neighborhood. And he was working his way out with his gifts and talents of football, and that was stuffed out. What would you say to us, TK, as a multi-site church, what can we do to make a difference in a racially divided city, in an economically divided city? What can we do from your vantage point? Because you're doing everything you can do, bro. Man, you're with the number, with standing up. What can, what can we do as a church? I feel like the best thing is to give back, give back to your community, especially if you're unsure. Or some people may not have even heard of Lawrence Dub before, but just putting yourself out there and, and trying it and going out, playing basketball with the kids, helping them tutor the kids, mentor the kids, because a lot of kids are talented. They just don't know what to do with their talent. And people aren't leading them or guiding them in the right direction. And I feel like people at Faith Promise will be able to do that. Whether you go one time, two times, 10 times, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do, if you, as long as you show up, it'll make a difference to those kids. I promise you that. Well, you know, TK's family uh, is working on making a difference. You know, we love Steve Diggs. We love Emerald Youth Foundation, and we support and we serve. But what's your what's your mom doing with Emerald Youth? Yeah, my mom's the dean of students at Emerald Academy. And the first time I showed up, I loved it. The oh, kids were the kids were awesome. They were smiling from ear to ear. Didn't even know who I was. All they said is. Are you Dean Kelly's son? Had no clue if I was even a football player, which just shows you that kids, that they don't care. As long as you care for them and take care of them, that's all they want. They just want to have a good time. And I feel like it's a good time for them to learn about the Lord because whatever you tell them, they soak it in and it stays in their brain. And you don't want the negative connotations or words that they hear at home to resonate in their minds. You want positive thoughts and positive vibes for them to hear. So I feel that you know, going, going there and visiting them, just reading to them just made a big difference. And I think about that every day when I'm struggling. I'm just thinking about all the kids that really don't have the chance that I have. And them being there, I feel like they do. It's mm -hmm. an awesome school, and my mom's trying to make a difference for them. And they're, and they're making a huge difference. That's a place that you can volunteer and serve. You know, Jeremiah said, pray for the peace of the city that you're in. And so we want to pray for the peace, the shalom of God on our city. And I'm just grateful for people like TK and his mom and so many others who are working to make Knoxville a better place. Man, TK, we love you. And man, appreciate all you're doing. And uh, of course, we're in Knoxville, so tons of UT Vol fans. But but more than that, we're, we're fans of Jesus. And so we'll be praying for you. You mind if I just pray for you before we leave? I don't mind at all. I appreciate it. Come on, Faith Prime. Just stretch your hand out. Uh, Father, we come and just grateful for a young man who stands up for Jesus first and foremost. God, grateful for his family, for his friends, grateful for the, the high place that you put him in. God, I pray this year, we pray together, you keep him healthy. He'll sustain no injuries, that it'll be a great year, and that, Lord, next year will, will even be a better year for him. And Lord, we'd love to see him playing somewhere on Sunday. God, for, for where number 24, for Xavier, God, what an amazing, what an amazing deal. God, would you use that? to bring light, to, to bring hope, and to bring healing to a divided city. Uh, God, bless him in his walk with you. Keep him as a man of God in a, difficult, in a difficult place. Strengthen his hands for battle and his fingers for war on and off the field in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, my brother. Thank you. Great to have Appreciate you with us. Pastor. What a...
sharp young man representing Jesus on uh, there and uh, on the UT campus and really bringing light to the plight of the inner city, using everything he has to advance the kingdom of God and help people who are held down. It, it just is, it's amazing. Now, before there was a brick by brick culture at UT, there was a biblical brick by brick culture. You know, a brick by itself is no good. But you take a brick and you start putting it onto a wall. You start, as TK said, putting the concrete, the mortar, and that brick builds a home that you get protection from and safety in. But a loose-lying brick is no good. Actually, I stole this uh, yesterday from my neighbor's house. <laughs> and I will take it back. But the deal is it was doing no good laying over in his yard. And I needed a sermon illustration, so I took it. <laughs> you know, the Lord get, the Lord provides. And, uh, and so I took it because but, but, it was accomplishing nothing because bricks were never meant to stand alone. And bricks that you put in a wall have three holes. And you build that wall, you need to make sure that those holes are filled with concrete, with cement, with mortar, so that the wall will stand. And you are a, you're a brick. And you are to be filled and you are to be placed in the wall of God. Is that right? Let me just give you some biblical background. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you also, you are living what? You are living bricks and are being built up as a spiritual what? We are the house of God, the temple of God for the Holy Spirit, for a holy priesthood. You're kings and priests unto God. You're not just church members. You are kings and priests. You have the authority of God in you to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. You are a brick, a living stone saved by God, filled by God to be used by God as a part of God's building. For 21 centuries, the saints have taken their place on the wall of God. Just with one brick on top of another, the saints have taken their place. Just like, just like TK has taken his place on the football field. And he's a safety. So if the line misses him, the linebackers get him. If the linebackers miss him, then TK gets him. And we who are volunteer fans hope that nobody gets past TK. Because we want to win. Same thing, you're a brick. You're a, you've got a space and a place on the wall of God at Faith Promises. So this weekend, we've got tons of visitors visiting. Next weekend, we'll probably have over 1,000. And we have great greeters at every campus, but if they miss them, we have great people in the kids' ministry, but if they miss them and they find their way to a sanctuary, they might be sitting next to you, and you need to be in your place. Amen. Talking to, loving, welcoming the people around you because you never know. God is a space and a place for you on his wall. You are not meant to just come and soak it up and do nothing else. Revelation requires a response. Matter of fact, we talked about in this series that the, the church in America has become a spectator sport. But biblically, there are, there's only one group of spectators in the Bible, and they're already in heaven. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12. Speaking of Hebrews 11, those living stones who already took their place on the wall of God, right? 
and who've gone on, and they're now cheering us on because it's a, it's a relay race. They ran their leg. They passed baton. The baton's been passed to us, and we run the race, and we're going to pass to the next generation, and they're going to run the race, and we're going to keep running until Jesus blows the whistle and calls us home. Anybody with me? Come on. We're going to win this game. But the only way we can do it is for you. It is time for you to get out of the what? And get in the what? Get out of the what? And get in the what? See, Team Jesus is less without you in your space and your place on the wall. And can I be honest? We're on real, right? Are you with me? There's a couple of thousand bricks this weekend that are laying around Faith Promise that have not found your, pur found your purpose and your place. You come, we're glad you're here, but you're not involved in serving, or you're not involved in generosity, you're not involved in group, you're, you're not, you haven't become a core yet, and, and you're just a loose brick laying around. Are you with me? And we're, listen, we're glad you're here, but you got to find your place. You say, Pastor, I can't find mine. Listen, you didn't help me find mine. Find yours. Man, when I first got saved, I, I, did, I got in the choir. <laughs> the choir. I, listen, I never sang a lick, but I just was trying to find where I could serve. When Michelle and I started dating, she didn't sing. I sang the specials, not her. Is that whacked or what? <laughs> but I was trying to find my spot. I'd just get up there and do it. See, the church is not a chore calling. It's a choice calling. You're a living stone saved by God to be used by God in the building of God. Find your place. Find your space. This makes sense. Come on, dig in there. Try something. Work with kids. That doesn't work. Work with students. That doesn't work. Serve in small group ministry. That doesn't work. Work in worship ministry. That doesn't work. Work in admin. We will find a spot for you. Are you with me? So just keep you, and I know we're a large church, and people say, well, you know, listen, when you stand before Jesus, and he said, why didn't you serve my body? You said, well, I couldn't find a place. Nobody helped me. Oh, I didn't realize. I'm so, I'll get Pastor Chris when he gets here. Come on, you're okay. Is that what he's going to say? He's going to say, you were called to serve. Jesus said, I am among you as he that serves, not one that came to be served. I came to give my life a ransom for many. So day one, Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to the church. They immediately began to try to find their space and their place on the wall. Let's just read this together. Can we read it together? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Come on, get ready. We're going to read this together. Therefore, let all of the of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent, each one of you, and be next weekend in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's us. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were what? And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were... They were devoting themselves to the 
and to and to the and to next alignment. Everyone kept feeling a sense of and many and were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed, not some, all those who had believed were what? And at all things in? Begin selling their property and possessions and were with all as anyone might have need day by day with in the and from they were taking their meals together with and praising God and having with all the people and the Lord was day by day those who were being saved. I love that passage of Scripture. It's unbelievable. Now, let me, Jesus died for us, and it was Jesus' undoing that led to our doing because he died on the cross because those of us that are born again have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed and marked, and we need to be filled, and then we are used finding our place. So, so far in this series, hundreds of people have said, I'll serve. Hundreds of people have said, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in a group. Hundreds of people have come out of the stands and onto the field. Amen? And so look at Matthew 16, 18. This we know is a fact. I say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. That you are Peter upon this rock. The rock is not Peter. The rock is Peter's confession of faith. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Most High God. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, my from out called gathering. My group of people that are called out, I will build my gathering, and the gates of Hades will never, will not overpower it. And I've said a couple weeks ago, I was in Caesarea Philippi with a group of folks in faith promise at the gates of Hades. And right there where Jesus spoke the word, you're looking into the cave where the temple of Pan was and all these other idols. And Jesus is looking at all these temple of idols, and he said, boys, I will build my gathering, and the gates of Hades, no philosophy, no religion, there is nothing in this world that will overpower me building my gathering transform my life. Listen, I'm taking a group to Israel in March if you want to go. If you'll uh, contact my assistant, Gloria, because we're looking about adding another bus, but we got to make the decision soon. It is a once-in-a-lifetime, never-be-the-same trip. So if you want to go, if you'll let her know, that's coming. Now, here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is building a what? And it is your what? To play a part. Jesus is building a what? And it is your what? destiny to play a part. It is your destiny as living stones to be in and on and through God's wall. It is not an accident that you're here this Labor Day weekend. God brought you here to hear this message to give you a revelation so that in that revelation you, are, you will bring a response to that response is yes. My yes is anchored to the altar of God always. As a Christ follower, my Chris's yes is always anchored to the altar of service and sacrifice. You say, whatever you say, God, I'll do it. Not getting a hard heart because God spoke and I didn't. Amen? You're here on purpose. Now, Alabama, Ohio State, they built a powerhouse in the last several years. But you know what? Yeah, we got some fans. Okay, there we go. Yep, yep. Got to help the brothers out a little bit. But here's the deal. It is nothing compared to the powerhouse that Jesus built for the last 21 centuries. 
the church of the living God. It survived the persecution of the Romans. Emperor said, I will stomp out this way. These sectarian Jews, I'm going to stomp it out. Yeah, where are the Romans today? Nero and Augustus and all those, that's what we name our dogs. We call people Peter, James, and John, to Thomas, and Andrew. Why? Because they're the ones that won. We survived the persecution. We survived the dark ages. We survived the renaissance. The church, the gathering of God, has survived in the jungles and in the mountains and on the deserts and all the way around the world. Our God is building his gathering, and the gates of hell will not stand against his gathering. How does he do it? One stone built on top of another stone. One living stone placed on top of another. We talk about champions. You cannot talk about champions without talking about the gathering of the, of the God the, as we gather for him, the church. And people say, well, the, the day of the church is over. They are crazy. The last 50 years, the church has grown more than the than a 1950 years before it combined. The greatest move of God, you are involved in it right now. More people say last 50 years than the first 2,000 years. Man, when they raised the bamboo curtain, they thought they'd stumped out the Word of God. Hundreds of millions of believers all over China. When they raised the Iron Curtain, millions of believers. And matter of fact, when they raised it, I was there in 92, shortly after they raised the Iron Curtain. By the way, they dropped it last week. See, Christians, you got to keep your ear up. You know, last week they outlawed uh, evangelism in Russia. Last week they outlawed it because we were making such an impact. I love that. Listen, there's no law could stop the gospel. There's no emperor or dictator or king that could stop the power of our God. The gates of hell will not overpower it. So, man, we are rocking. So, Faith Promise, listen, we need you on the team. We need to know your number. We need to know we can count on you. How did we do that? You join the core. The core, you become a core participant. That's how we do it on your communication card. Pull it out. If you've not been in Next Steps experience, sign up and show up next weekend. <clears throat> you say, but next weekend is the baptism weekend. Listen, you can go to the core experience and go to worship. That's legal. And so sign up and show up, sign up and serve up, sign up and give up, sign up, amen, and get out of the stands and get in the game. Because here's what Jesus said about you if you're a Christ follower, Matthew chapter 5, you, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, if it's just like the world, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. It's set to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill, faith promise, cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We are the salt and the light. Let me tell you about the church. The church is the champion of what? There is no other light. If you believe Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man comes to the Father but by me. He's the only light. He's the, we are the champions of light. Does that make sense? You are the salt, and you are the light, and you are to let your light shine so that people will be drawn to God. There it is. We are the champion. There, there is no other way. There is no other light. 
Is anybody getting this? Is anybody with me? Now, remember, remember the old hymn? We are the champions, my friends. You remember that hymn? It's in the Baptist hymnal. And we'll keep on till the we are the we are the Okay, it's good. See, that's why Michelle sings it, not me, but that's okay. That's not my gift. We are champions. We're champions. And when we shine the light, the light draws attention, and the attention many times is persecution. Because listen, young adults, listen. Young adults, man, if you're below 30, 35, if you're over that, you're not young anymore, sorry. (laughs) Still, the, the young adults so want the world to like the church. They do. They want the world to like us. It never has, and it never will. We can't feed enough hungry people, clothe enough cold people, pray for enough sick people, dig enough wells in Africa, plant enough churches in Pakistan. We cannot do enough that the darkness will like the light. It's never happened. School started a couple weeks ago. Moms, when you went in there at 6 o'clock and flipped the lights on, did your kids say, whoa, good morning, Mom. I can't wait to get out of bed. No, the vampire said, cut the light off. (laughs) Like roaches when the lights come on. See, darkness has always hated the light, and darkness will still hate the light. So when you are a light bearer, when you walk into a room and the light of Jesus comes through and people say, you're judging me, I'm not judging you, I love you. It's not, it's not you, it's them. Because you're under conviction, praise God for it. Many of them are going to be saved. Are you with me? You're the light of the world. A city set upon a hill cannot be, cannot be hidden. But guess what? People are going to hate us for it, aren't they? And people only throw shade at that which shines. They only throw shade at that which shines. How many of you people hammered you? How many of your friends have hammered you for going to Faith Promise? I can't believe you go to that church and that preacher. You know they don't preach the Bible over there. You know they're liberal. You know you can't preach the Bible and have a big church. It's only because they've never read the Bible Day one, 3,000 people joined. The next weekend, 5,000 more joined. At eight days old, the church was 8,120 people in the core, living stones. See, but you, know, you, got, you actually read the Bible. But people only throw shade at that which shines because the darkness hates the light. So if they promise, can I, can I tell you something? We're going to keep pushing the boundaries. We're going to shed light where people fear to tread. Man, we are going to push the limits of grace. We are going to push the limits of generosity. Heart for the heart will be here before you know it. We're going to push the limits of love. We're going to push the limits of creativity. We're going to push the limits of forgiveness. And brick by brick, stone by stone, we are going to build and advance the gathering of God. So get out of the stands. Get in the game. Come on. Man, don't let fear keep you in the stands. It's easier to stay in the stands than it is to get on the field. And I can give you 15 biblical reasons why you've got to do it. But let me just give you one, can I? See, UT played Thursday. And by the way, some of you don't realize they won. Man, I just love listening commentators. Well, they should have won more. They should have done. A W is a W. Dang. Get over yourself. They won. 
And here's the deal. There was a group of people that celebrated that win. It was the players. I love what Coach Jones said. I'm not apologizing for a victory. I didn't win big enough for y'all. But do you know why the team celebrated? Because they were in the game. Spectators are mad. We wanted a 50-point win. Well, go home and suck your thumb. <laughs> what are you talking about? Here's the deal. Do you know the people that celebrate the most in faith promise every win, every baptism, every new service, every new sign? They're the people on the field that are doing it. Man, they celebrate what God is doing. They're excited about how God is moving. They're thrilled. And the rest of those couple thousand loose bricks, oh, golf clap. <laughs> See, you don't get to celebrate if you're not on the field. Get out of the stands. Or your heart will grow hard because you've received a revelation, but you've not had the proper response to it. Does this make sense? Listen, this is our season, church. God's anointing and favors on our church. God is doing a radical work at Faith Promise Church. This is not a season to stroll through. This is a season to take home the trophy. God said, I will build my gathering, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You can be a part or you cannot. I don't know about you, but I'm on the field, baby, and I'm playing this game. And therefore, there will be laid up for me a crown of righteousness, and not only I, but all those who love his appearing. Man, God will reward us. We are going to win. Man, come on, church, somebody. Now, I want to challenge you, if you've not been to the next steps, experience, it's on the communication card. Sign up and show up next weekend at every campus. Come on, every single campus. Whew. I'm not as good a shape as TK. <laughs> Here's the deal. 1919, Colonel W.S. Shields said there should be a football field at the University of Tennessee. By the way, there wasn't one before then. Hard to remember UT without a football field, isn't it? So they started in 1919 and 1921. They finished the first, they, they finished the first field, 3,200 seats. There's that many toilets in the room now. <laughs> 100 years later, over 100,000 seats, one of the premier sporting events complexes in America. How? One brick on top of another. One season on top of another. We keep growing. Faith Promise, 21 years ago, we were 250 people. This weekend, we're 7,000. There's over 10,000 people a month that come worship. How does that happen? One brick on another. One soul on another. One baptism after another. One small group after another. One core after another. One person out of the stands after another. Give him some praise, church. Woo! Oh, no. I want to go rest. I think I pulled something. <laughs> Some of you, though, with and all of our campuses, there are people that have not yet been born again. You're thinking, I'd like to get in the game. First step is relationship with Jesus. So if you've never been born again, today's your day. You're not here by accident. So with every head by every eye closed, we're going to pray a simple confessional prayer with you as you open your heart up to God. Just say, dear God, I know I've sinned, I've failed, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I put my faith in you. I will step on the field 
I will spend the rest of my life serving you and being with you in heaven. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, give him some praise in the house, man. It is good to be in the house of God. Now, you just gave your heart to Jesus. If you'll fill the communication card out, drop the offering uh, boxes, or go to the Next Steps area if you want to find out about groups. To be in our next alignment on prayer, go to the Next Steps. When you leave, you want to grab some of these cards and invite next weekend for the baptism weekend. Again, it's going to be one of the greatest weekends we've ever had. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I've had a blast in the house of God. Be blessed. We'll see you guys next weekend.